Yeah. Awesome. What's up, everybody? Welcome to United. Good to see you all here. If you guys are feeling lonely all in the back, you can kind of come towards the front. There's some space and we can fill in. You don't have to sit way back there. Um, I'm David. If you're new to United, if you're new to Beach Students, I'm the family pastor here. And tonight, we're going to talk about Same God. We're going to continue our Same God series. Um, Last week was a great start. Jacob talked about what it means to not live in scarcity, and it was just such a great start to the message, guys. We saw real life change last week. We saw real life change last week, and people who have never followed Jesus began to follow Jesus. And so I just pray that that continues throughout this series, that we continue to see the goodness of God, that we continue to see all these amazing characteristics of God um, through this series. Uh, I will tell you, before we go on, the reason why we do this Why do we study the characteristics of God? Why do we look at who God is? And I'll tell that you are made in his image. You are made in his image. And so the more we learn about God, the more we learn about our true identity of who we are and who we were created to be. So those characteristics of God, as you grow in your relationship with him, as you seek holiness and all the things that you do, all of those things are indicative of the characteristics of God and the character of who God is. So as we study each of these uh, characteristics throughout the weeks, it's not just that you know who God is, it's so you know who you are as well. Okay? Thanks, Sarah. Uh, Tonight, we're going to talk about God is faithful. God is faithful. And uh, before we get started, we're going to pray really quickly. God, I'm so thankful for uh, the students in the room who've chosen to prioritize a relationship with you tonight, who know that seeking you is the answer to a lot of their problems. We pray that they have open eyes, open hearts, open ears, and they're listening to what you want to speak into them. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Fill this place. Amen. Amen. Um, So... When we talk about faithfulness, faithfulness in life and being faithful, uh, I I was immediately struck with the realization that sometimes I'm not all that faithful. I'm not all that trustworthy. Um, Prime example, my dad had surgery a couple of weeks ago, and I got um, just busy with my own priorities, and... uh, didn't check on him as much as I should have. My mom was sending text message updates, and I thought that was good enough, and so I was liking those, but actually picking up the phone to call and check and see how he's doing, because he wasn't doing well. He wasn't doing well, and he trusted that I was going to do that. He felt that he could have faith in me to do that, that I would pick up the phone, that I would call and check on him, but I was a terrible son, and I didn't, and I got busy, and it really kind of ticked my mom off. Um, She was not really happy with me. And you'll see that as you live your life. How many of you in this room, show of hands, how many of you have put your faith in someone and they have let you down? Yeah. Better question. Let's check your real honesty. How many of you in this room were deemed to be faithful by someone else and you let them down. Why? Because we're human. Because we're people. Because we make mistakes. And we can't live out perfect lives. 
But the great news is, the great news is that God is faithful. And as we look throughout this series, heavy emphasis that I want you to see, God is, was, and always will be all of these characteristics. God is faithful. God was faithful. And God will always be faithful. And we're going to look at a couple of different examples of that in the New Testament and the Old. Before we get started, though, I kind of want to point out just the definitions of these two things. Faith. Faith is a Hebrew word. Faith is a Hebrew word. And it means to believe or to trust. To believe or to trust. You guys had a series on this last year. And you talked about what it means to have faith, to have faith, to believe, to trust. It's how we express that we believe in Jesus. We say, I have faith. You haven't seen Jesus with your own eyes, but you've experienced God and you have faith in him. You believe in him. You trust in him. Faithfulness, faithfulness, because the words are kind of used interchangeably a lot, but faithfulness is one's worthiness of trust. One's worthiness of trust. And so as we talk about God's faithfulness and the way in which we can believe in and we can trust in him, I wanted to point out the differences between those two words. We're going to be, just like the rest of this series, we're going to be in both the New Testament and the Old Testament. And tonight, we're going to start in the book of Hebrews. If you don't know where the book of Hebrews is, it's in the New Testament. It's kind of towards the end. It's kind of towards the end. And while you're flipping, I'll just tell you a little bit about Hebrews. We don't know the author, but we know that Hebrews was written to the Jewish Christians at the time that it was written. And we know that it was meant to give them some guidelines and some ways in which they could walk in the way of Jesus and live a life focused on Jesus. And there's a lot of different topics in Hebrews about how you can do this. But where we're going to focus tonight, and if you have a pen and you have a paper or you have your phone and you're taking notes, I want you to just write something that's not on a slide really quickly. I want you to write Hebrews 10, 11, and 12. Or fold it down in your Bible if you want to. And then I want you to write Judges 6, 7, and 8, because those are going to be the six chapters that we're kind of working through, but we're not obviously going to read six chapters tonight. Take a few, uh, a few minutes the rest of the week, kind of read through these chapters in their fullness, but Hebrews 10, 11, and 12 talks about the faithfulness of God and how we live in faith. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time there today. Um, you see, the one thing that you know about God's faithfulness is this, God's faithfulness is both his reliability and his steadfast, steadfast love and loyalty towards his people. Again, God's faithfulness is his reliability, his steadfast love, and his loyalty towards his people. Hebrews 10, 22, 23 says this. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, I'm going to stop there for just a second. As you're reading your Bible, as you're praying, as you feel led to sort of lean into what God is telling you, this part right here, sincere heart, is hugely important. Hugely important. A sincere heart means that you're actively trying to hear God speak to you. You can't just draw near to God. It's not possible to draw near to God, really draw near to God, if you don't have a sincere heart while you're doing it. 
Let's draw near to God with a sincere heart when the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. If you want to experience the fullness of God, if you want to really learn who God is, you have to draw near to him. You know, I think one of the things that we've heard um, throughout that I hear a lot from you guys is like, I really want to hear God speak to me. We say that a lot, and I believe you mean it. But if you really want to hear God speak to you, you have to draw near to him. You have to listen to what he's saying. You have to pray. You have to spend time in his word. You have to draw near to him. You have to grow in your intimacy with the Lord if you want to really experience the fullness of God. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Assurance about what we do not see. And then what's kind of interesting about the rest, and this is why I want you to go back and I want you to read Hebrews 11 at a much slower pace, but I want you to notice the beginnings of most of the verses in Hebrews 11. It says this, by faith, Abel brought God a letter of obedience, or offering, I'm sorry, brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. By faith, Moses refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated because of his faith. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, Rahab was not killed with those who were disobedient. And we're going to read 32 through 34 in their fullness, which says this. And what more shall I say? And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith, not their own strength, not their mighty warriorship, but through faith, conquered kingdoms administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Foreign armies. One of the people that are mentioned here in verses 32 through 34 is a guy named Gideon. Gideon. And that part about routing foreign armies, well, that has a lot to do with him. So, if you don't mind, we're going to switch over. We're going to flip to the Old Testament, and we're going to spend a little time talking about Gideon. Again, I'm not going to read you the full story because it is like three chapters, but chapters 6, 7, and 8, um, you can read about Gideon in the fullness, but I will do my best to sort of paraphrase what is happening in chapter 6, in chapter 7, and chapter 8. In verses 1 through 10 of chapter 6, it kind of tells you a little bit about what's happening. The Israelites are not doing the things that God is telling them to do. They have kind of turned back to their old ways. They have kind of turned away from what God was calling them to do. And they are not living out in the fullness that God has for them. And so what's happened is now they're under the control of another country, another 
uh, army, these people called the Midianites. And so now the Israelites are serving under the Midianites, and the Midianites are taking everything from them. The Israelites are farming. They're taking all of that. And the Midianites are ruling over the Israelites. And it would be real easy in this moment to feel as if God has completely abandoned them. This is God's chosen people. The Israelites are God's chosen people. But in this moment, they no longer feel that way. They no longer feel blessed. They no longer feel as if they are the chosen ones because they're under the impressive thumb of a different country, of a different place, of the Midianites. And that's where we come and that's where we meet Gideon. So it tells us in verse 11 of chapter 6, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Aphra. Also, we don't talk about this a lot, but how crazy is it that in the Old Testament, they're just like, oh, yeah, an angel came and sat under the tree, and nobody freaks out. You ever notice it's like, and so-and-so freaked out. It doesn't say that at all. But anyway, this angel comes, and he sits under the tree that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, I think, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, those of you that aren't farmers in this room, any farmers out there? Yeah, lots of you, right? So, he is. You are a farmer. No. <laughs> Threshing wheat is this. They're taking big bundles. So have you ever seen wheat? Anybody? Pictures of it? Maybe not in real life. Right? There's these stalky things. And at the top, you have the stuff, the grain that you want from the wheat plant. And so what they're doing is they're gathering up big bundles of wheat, and they're threshing the wheat. And what that means is they're kind of hitting it against the ground. And when they do that, it kind of falls off. The grain falls off. And so then they get the wheat that they need to make bread and things like that. But what's happening is Gideon is not threshing wheat where he normally would. Instead, Gideon is threshing wheat, and he's storing it in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. That's how bad it is. They're putting food away. They're hiding food so that they then can eat because they're under the oppressive thumb of these people, of the Midianites. So again, it tells us that when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And I loved what Ashley said as she was on stage just a few minutes ago, which is this. How many of you feel that God isn't there how many of you feel that even though you have faith, it just doesn't seem like he is really there? It's easy to lose our faith when things aren't going our way. And in this moment, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon, and, and, the, and the angel says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So when you're going through something difficult and somebody walks up to you and they say, hey, God bless you. That's kind of what's happening, but it's an angel. And in verse 13, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord was with us, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestor told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring, up, bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us. And given us into the hands of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? 
My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now, in this moment, I want you to think about this for just a second. The angel of the Lord comes to him, and he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon said, he is not. He is not. If God was with me, if the Lord was with me, why are we sitting here under the oppression? Why am I storing grain away? Why am I hiding food? He is not. Where is this God you speak of? Because all of our ancestors told us for years and years and years all the great and amazing things that God has done for us. Yet, I am telling you, I don't see that. And some of you may be in a really real place right now where you say, I don't see him. And I can look at you in the eyes and I can say, the Lord is with you. And you could say, it sure doesn't feel like it. And that may not end tonight. That may not end tomorrow. You may go through a season of life where you say, I just don't feel him. I just don't feel him. And I would challenge you, and I would say this, sometimes it's not easy to see God's faithfulness to us because we aren't being faithful to him. Sometimes it's not easy to see God's faithfulness to us because we aren't being faithful to him. It tells us, again, in in verses 1 through 10, that the Israelites, very first verse of chapter 6, it says the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. The Israelites were not living the life they were supposed to live. They weren't doing the things they were supposed to do. Yet when confronted by the angel, Gideon says, it sure doesn't feel like God is here. But are they living the way God has called them to live? No. No. And what happens next is kind of fascinating. But Gideon Again, I'm going to skip ahead and kind of read and sort of summarize some of these things for you. But what happens basically is that Gideon is sitting here talking to the Lord. He's having these conversations. The Lord says, go, go, free yourself. By your hand, you will be freed from the Midianites. You will go into battle. You will kill all of them. You will go, and everything will be good. And so for the next few verses, you see Gideon sort of kind of question the Lord, and he says, well, if you're really the God that you say you are, prove it by doing this thing and that. He offers a sacrifice. It's taken up. Then the Lord says to him, I want you to tear down the idol to Baal. Now, I want you to listen to me for just a second. Baal, B-A-A-L, is sort of a word used to describe a lot of different deities. Deities are gods, lesser gods than the God of Israel. There are these gods that these people follow. And so what happens is when things go bad, when things aren't going well, when the Israelites aren't thriving, when they're under the hands of the Midianites, all of these things are happening. Okay? Everybody following? They don't turn to the God of Israel. They turn to Baal. And they say, well, maybe if we pray to this rain god, maybe if we pray to this rain god instead... Our crops will survive. Maybe the Midianites will leave us alone. And so that's what they do. And the Lord tells Gideon, I want you to go, and I want you to tear down that that idol that you have for Baal. And Gideon says, okay, God, I will, but I'm going to do it at night. 
Why? Because he's still worried what the people around him are going to think. He's still worried what happens if he fully steps out in faith. I would be willing to bet that a lot of you will be obedient to God as long as you can do it at night. As long as your friends don't see you doing it. As long as you can sneak here with your church friends on Sunday night and sneak home. I would be willing to bet that a lot of you would tear down your idols as long as you can do it at night. And then he says, do that. And the next morning, they figure out that Gideon has done it. They want him to build an altar to God. Or they don't. God does. He doesn't build an altar to me instead. Gideon does these things. And the next morning, they find out that Gideon did it. And they want to kill him for tearing down their idol, for tearing down their God's idol, their temple, the place they go and pray. And Gideon's dad kind of comes and he says, well, if Baal really is the God that you say he is, then let Baal redeem himself. Is that me? No. Okay. He says, let Baal take care of Gideon. He'll take care of him if he's really the God that you say he is. And so the people leave him alone, and they say, yeah, let, let Baal take care of him. Baal will take care of him. In this moment, we read about how the Midianites have gotten together with another group, another tribe called the Malachites, and these people have organized to come and fight against the Israelites. And in this moment, Gideon says, okay, God, if I'm going to do the thing you're going to tell me to do, it tells us that the Spirit of the Lord is with him, the Spirit of the Lord is with Gideon, so he can do these powerful things. And Gideon goes out, and he raises an army of various tribes and different people groups, and he puts them together, and he says, okay, here we go. We're going into battle, and there's 30,000 of them, 30,000 people. It says he blows a trumpet, and then all of a sudden there's 30,000 people there. It's kind of like a Jags game, I guess. You blow a trumpet, people just show up. And what happens next is kind of fascinating. Because Gideon sort of quickly raises this army, and he's ready to roll. And he says, but, 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 God, but, God, just one more, one more thing, one more thing really quickly, one more thing. If this is really what you want me to do, I'm going to put this piece of fleece on the ground. Fleece is like a flannel or like a type of material, right? Fleece, everybody good with that? I'm going to put this piece of fleece on the ground, and then I'm going to go to bed and then when I wake up, if the ground is dry but the fleece is wet, then I'll know it's you, God. That doesn't seem very possible, does it? It doesn't seem very likely that if you have a piece of material here, that the entire ground around it would be dry, but that that one piece of material would be wet. It doesn't seem feasible. It doesn't seem logical. It doesn't seem real. And he says, God, if you do that, then I'll know it's you that's sending me there. And he goes to bed. And he wakes up the next morning, and the ground is dry, and he picks up the piece of fleece, and it says he squeezes it, and it fills a bowl full of water. And he says, okay, God, I hear, but, 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 but God, one more thing, one more thing. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, one more thing. I'm going to go to bed tonight. This time, I want the ground to be wet and the fleece to be dry. And if I wake up tomorrow, and that happens, because again, an impossibility here, Right? Doesn't make any sense logically. I do that. I wake up the next day. Fine. I'll believe it's from you, God. And guess what happens? The very next day, it's exactly how Gideon says. And now twice, three times, actually, if you count the offering earlier, God proves to him, it's me. It's real. God is begging him to have faith in what he wants him to do. And he's trying to prove to Gideon that he can be faithful 
that there is a faithfulness in his character, that all he has to do is follow him. All he has to do is follow him. And so Gideon says, okay, God, fine. I have my army. We'll go out. And in chapter 7, verse 2, it says this. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, for Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. In this moment, Gideon, filled by the Spirit of the Lord, has blown the trumpet. He's gotten 30,000 men. He's ready to go into battle. And in that moment, God tells him, yeah, I know you people. And if you go to war with 30,000 men, you're going to say, yeah, we were great warriors. And we handled those guys. And you're not going to show me or give me credit or worship me in the way that you should worship. Because you're going to think you did it all yourself. And so it's not going to be impressive enough. See, in this moment, God's saying, you want to have faith in me? Have real faith in me. And so he says, look out on your army, look out on the crowd, and say to them, hey, if you're afraid, go home. If you're really fearful, if you don't think we're going to make it, go home. And 20,000 leave. 20,000 of the 30,000 leave. And he's left with 10,000. And in this moment, when he's left with 10,000, he says, okay. I guess this is what we'll do. We'll do 10,000. He's ready to go. And the Lord says, yeah, that's still too many. So then he gives them this weird instruction about how they're going to drink water from the river. Go back and read it. It's kind of cool. But what happens is he says, pick the ones that drink a certain way. Guess how many drink a certain way? 300. He goes from 30,000 to 10,000 to 300. Now, I think you all have seen the movie adaptation of this, 300. It's like the Spartan. I'm just kidding. That's not it. Don't, don't take that. That's not really the Bible. Um, 300 guys. 300 guys in this army. 300. And he says, this will prove it. This will show that everything is fine. So Gideon follows the plan of the Lord. He gets rid of these soldiers. The cruise goes from, again, 30 to 10 to 300. And what happens is they're above the camp, and the Lord says, go down to the camp. Take your victory now. And they go down, and the Lord even gives them an out. He says, hey, Gideon, if you're afraid, I'll tell you what, just take your buddy, sneak down there and listen to the conversation, and that will give you confidence to attack. God gives him a chance see a logical reason why he should attack and why things will be okay. And so he does. He sneaks down with a friend. They listen to a conversation that's happening in the camp below. And one of them has a dream that he's telling the other one about. And the other one is interpreting the dream. And in the dream, there's this like, I think it's a giant loaf of bread comes rolling down a hill. And then it kills him. And they said, well, that's Gideon. What was Gideon doing when you met him? Threshing wheat make bread. And the other one says, no doubt this dream means that this is the sword of Gideon coming to take his revenge on us. And so in that moment, Gideon has confidence. They attack. They do some crazy stuff where they like break jars and they, they scare them basically. And then the Midianites start running around in the camp together and then they wind up just like kind of killing each other. So that's what happens. That's the story. Go back and read it more carefully. But in 822, 
and 23. 8, 22, and 23. You see the Israelites after Gideon has delivered them from the hands of the Midianites. And it says in 22, the Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us, you, your son, your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. What did the Lord tell him when he gathered 30,000 people? I can't let you in with 30,000. Why? Because you'll take the credit for it. And what do the Israelites immediately do? They say that the Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us. Be our leader. But Gideon tells them, I will not rule over you. Nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. What happens in this moment If we're to try to do this thing on our own, it's real easy to find pride and confidence, okay? It's real easy to find pride and confidence and to feel good about what you're doing in your life if things are going well. But I would argue that if you look at Gideon here and you see faith and obedience, they lead to action. And when you act in faith and obedience, that leads to righteousness. And in this moment, You see that come through. You see that Gideon could have easily said, great, I would love to rule over you. Let me do that. But instead he says, no, no, the Lord will rule over you. I will not do that. I will not do that. Many of you, myself included, many of us, I guess I should say, we have faith. We have a faithfulness. We believe, we don't act on it. We don't act on it. We don't believe deeply enough to be moved that God is going to do some things that are just incredible in our lives. We don't believe that God can deliver us from whatever it is. We don't feel like God is with us, and we sometimes can lose our faith in him. I have been there. I have been in spaces of my life where I did not feel like God was walking with me. The reality is, is that I wasn't walking with him. That was the truth. Because God is with you. God was with you. God will always be with you. He is faithful. He is faithful. So I just want a couple different things tonight for sort of uh, a response as we close. If you've been walking in faithfulness to God and you were like, I have no idea what this is about because I've never felt that God really has left me. I still have faith. I feel like God is a faithful God. If you never question God like Gideon, then you're good. Continue to do that. Continue to live in faithfulness. Continue to be that person. Continue to constantly seek him and feel that he is seeking you. However, if you've not been, if you've not been, I would challenge you. Don't question whether God is being faithful to you. Question whether you're being faithful to God. Pursue him. Chase him. Turn back to him. Turn back to him. So when the band comes up in just a few minutes, I would love for you. The altar is going to be open. I'm going to go sit down here. Your life group leaders are going to be around you. Snag a friend, snag a life group leader, grab me. We'll pray with you. 
but I want you to run back to him. You know, we talk about this a lot. I don't know that we actually do it. It's one thing to say, I'm sorry for the things I've done, God. It's another thing to repent. Repent. Turn back to him. Turn back to him. So there might be a season in your life, you might be in a season in your life where you've been walking away from God. Repent. Repent. There might be a moment where you feel like you've lost faith in God. Repent and turn back to him. Repent. The altar's open. The altar's open. Before we go, one more verse. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this. Is it up? Okay. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, let us run to him. Maybe you're in the room tonight and you have never placed your faith in Jesus. You have never said, hey, I deem God faithful. I have faith. I believe. I trust. And maybe something tonight spoke to you in that way. We want to talk to you. Jacob's going to be in the back. He'd love to have a conversation with you. I'll come join later if you decide to do that. But maybe you've been feeling something for a while and you don't know what that is, but you realize tonight that it's because you haven't placed your faith in God. We want to help you take that next step. We want to help you take the next step. So we're here for you. Let's pray. God, thank you for these students. Thank you for their willingness to be open to what you want to do in and through their lives. Holy Spirit, speak to them. Give us all in this room a spirit of repentance and let us turn towards you and not away from you. Let us seek you. Let us seek righteousness and holiness as we pursue a relationship with you. Let us be like Gideon, who's willing to march into war with 300 men because finally he places his faith in the things the Lord is telling him. Let us have faith in the Lord because we realize that we serve a faithful God.